to today's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind, with permission of the Worcester News, recorded on Thursday, November the 23rd, 2023, here at Colin Chance House. I'm Evelyn Brock, editor for this edition, and with me to read for you, Penny Welford and Richard Pugh. Our recording engineer is Alex Gwynn and we are, as usual, ably supported by the admin team led by Carol Hartle. A warm welcome to all our listeners, especially new ones. We do hope you enjoy this week's offering. In addition to news items, you'll hear some useful telephone numbers, birthdays and thought for the week. Nowadays, those telephone numbers and the obituaries are placed following the closing music. So if you wish to hear them, please stay tuned then. Don't forget that recordings are usually available as podcasts, but at present, talking books are not available on memory sticks, but rather on CDs and tape. Also, do let us know your birthdays so that we can greet you specially when the time comes. This service is free to users, but if you would like to make a voluntary donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. And we do like hearing from you. A message can be left on our answer phone. That's Worcester 01905 767766. Or you could add a note to your wallet. If there's ever a problem with any aspect of your receiving recordings, please use the answer phone facility on the number I've just given and leave a message to that effect. So now we'll start. I'm going to ask Penny to read the birthdays. Hello. We have... We have been notified of two birthdays um, coming up in the, in this week, uh, both on the 28th of November. And this is Graham Smith and David Hunter. And we wish you both a very happy birthday. Thank you, Penny. Now Richard is going to read the thought for the week. Yes, our thought for the week this time is from Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 30. Two blind men followed Jesus, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith will it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Thank you, Richard. So now to the week's headlines. And I'll ask Penny to start with last Friday's. So Friday, November the 17th, the headline reads, Council misses plan deadline. Donkeyfield goes to government. 
Residents are upset and shocked after the council lost its chance to rule on a controversial care home plan after missing the deadline to make a decision. The plan to build a 70-bed care home on land known as the Donkey Field, off Northwick Road in Worcester, was put forward almost two years ago and has gone to appeal. It will now be up to the government's planning inspectors to decide on the care home's future due to the developers appealing over non-determination, which means Witchhaven District Council missed the statutory deadline of 13 weeks. However, the campaigners say they won't take it lying down and will man the barricades in a fresh round of protests. Rosie Drinkwater, who has been leading the protests, said Residents are extremely upset, shocked, and this was not expected. I do not know why the council did not make a decision, she said. Kieran Power, Head of Development Management for Witchhaven District Council, said the council had received a late objection from the Flooding Authority, which raised various concerns. He added, rather than recommending refusal, they offered the applicant the opportunity to respond to the technical matters raised, which was the reason behind the delay. The applicant chose not to do this, and instead opted to appeal on the grounds of non-determination, said Mr Power. We're disappointed they chose this course of action, but that is their legal right, and we will robustly defend our recommendation this application should be refused at appeal. Miss Drinkwater added, We are angry and will man the barricades and not take this lying down, she said. I am encouraging everyone to make as much noise as possible because this is our last chance. I'm also encouraging people to write to their MPs and councillors and to put it on social media. My target is to get 1,000 signatures and really to get as many people in Worcester doing it. More than 160 objections were made against the plan by residents and 1,100 signatures were collected against the plan, which was first submitted to be an 80-bed care home in 2020. Witchhaven District Council said it must present its report and evidence to the inspector by December the 19th, with a decision expected by February or March next year. And the edition of Saturday and Sunday... Last week, there's a headline of five arrests following bike thefts and states that an adult and four youths were suspected. Youths have been arrested after police responded to reports of motorbikes being stolen. Patrol officers attended Glenthorne Avenue in Brickfields, Worcester, at 1.15am on Thursday, November the 16th after they responded to reports from members of the public that people were trying to steal motorbikes. A spokesman for West Mercia Police said five suspects, which included one adult and four juvenile males, were arrested. They all live within South Worcestershire. They were jointly processed in custody at Worcester by patrol and proactive CID led by Detective Sergeant Grant Fraser. 
In the early hours of yesterday morning, that being Friday, Shane Parry, a 20-year-old male from Millwood Close in Worcester, was charged together with a 17-year-old male from Worcester with conspiracy to commit burglary in relation to home burglaries from October the 14th and 16th, which took place in Richmond Road and Goodwood Road, Bourne. Perry and the 17-year-old were also charged with theft of a Mercedes, a Citroen, a BMW and a Hyundai that happened on October the 15th in Morven. Both suspects were remanded in police custody to attend remand court yesterday at Kidderminster. A third male, a 16-year-old from Worcester, has also been remanded in police cells to attend the remand court at Kidderminster later today to answer an allegation of his failing to comply with court bail conditions. Shane Perry and the 17-year-old were bailed with a tagged curfew to appear at Worcester Crown Court for trial on Monday, December 18th. The 16-year-old was bailed with a tagged curfew to appear at Worcester Magistrates Court on Wednesday, December 6th. Now Monday, November the 20th. The headline is College Told to Get Better by Watchdog. Good rating lost after inspection. A college has lost its good rating and been told to improve following an inspection by Ofsted. Heart of Worcestershire College which has campuses in Worcester, Malvern, Redditch and Bromsgrove, has been rated requires improvement by watchdog Ofsted, falling from the good rating it received in 2018. College bosses said a plan is already in place for improvements. Ofsted said the college was making a limited contribution to meeting the demand for skilled jobs in the county. The college's leaders were criticised by inspectors following the inspection in October for failing to make sure that all students and apprentices received good quality education, training and support. Ofsted inspectors said the college's leaders did not have a fully accurate oversight on progress at the college, which meant they could not step in to help students and apprentices catch up. There is too much inconsistency in the quality of the curriculums that learners and apprentices study, the report by Ofsted said. There are significant differences in the quality of taught curriculums across each site as well as across each subject area. Leaders and managers do not ensure that the quality of curriculum planning and sequencing is consistently strong. As a result, a sizeable number of learners and apprentices do not benefit from taught content that is well-structured, logically ordered or works to support them in retaining information in their long-term memories. 
heart of Worcestershire College, was given a requires improvement rating in all but two of the categories judged by Ofsted, with behaviour and adult learning at the school giving, given good ratings. Ofsted also criticised the college for failing students and apprentices with higher needs. Governance at the college also came in for criticism, saying it was not fully effective. Inspectors said governors at the college were not provided with information on the quality of education, performance or improvements. As a result, governors do not hold leaders to account with the rigour that is required to improve rapidly the quality of the taught curriculum. College principal Michelle Dowes pointed out the positives inspectors had witnessed, such as students' positive attitudes to studies and feeling supported by college staff. The report also recognises the college has developed a curriculum that responds to skills needs in the area to ensure our students are well equipped for the jobs of the future. Ofsted inspections provide an opportunity to look at ways to make the college even better. In the few months since I became principal, I am delighted to say a plan is already underway to address the areas identified for improvement. David Ash, Chair of Governors at the College, said, We are looking forward to working with Michelle Dowes and the leadership team to ensure the College grows and ensure our students continue to develop the skills needed to support businesses in Worcestershire and beyond. And the headline for Tuesday, November the 21st reads Woman in hospital after fire at home. Smoke could be seen several streets away. A woman was taken to hospital after a blaze which badly damaged a Worcester home. The woman was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital after being given first aid by paramedics as fire crews battled a blaze at the home in Christchurch Road off Tolladyne Road in Worcester just after 11am on Saturday. The fire broke out on the property's first floor and eyewitnesses reported seeing smoke from as far as Mulberry Terrace. A West Midlands Ambulance Service spokesperson said... We were called to reports of a property fire on Christchurch Road at 11.12am. One ambulance and a paramedic officer attended the scene. On arrival, we discovered one patient, a woman. She was assessed at the scene and taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital. A thick plume of black smoke billowed into the sky during a house fire which saw a woman taken to hospital. The woman was taken to hospital after being checked over as fire crews battled the blaze in her home off Tolladyne Road. The fire broke out on the property's first floor and the smoke was seen billowing into the sky. One ambulance and a paramedic officer attended the scene. A Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue spokesperson said four crews, 
three from Worcester and one from Droitwich fire stations, were called at 11.06am on November the 18th to a house fire with persons reported in Christchurch Road. There was a severe fire in a mid-terraced bungalow and this was fought by four firefighters in breathing apparatus using two hose reel jets and one covering jet. Neighbouring terraced properties were also investigated and smoke alarms were fitted in them. A re-inspection was then carried out of the ground floor and attic area of the property using a thermal imaging camera but no hotspots were found. Police attended, with one female casualty handed over to the care of the ambulance service. The spokesperson added that firefighters left the scene at 9.20pm. We visited the road on Monday and saw the fire-damaged property. The property had been boarded up and a pile of fire-damaged items had been left on a green outside the home. A nearby neighbour said it had been a large incident. There were four fire engines in attendance, the neighbour said. One was left later in the day, making sure the fire was out. Another eyewitness, Sarah Jane Davis, said, I could see the smoke all the way up on Mulberry Terrace. Moving on to Wednesday, November the 22nd, we read, Outrage over move to close police station. The counter is to shut on Sundays. The front counter of Worcester Police Station will close on Sundays after a controversial shake-up. May mean more crime has to be reported online. In changes coming next month, the front counter at the police station in Castle Street in Worcester will close to the public on Sundays. Opening hours across the week will also be reduced with similar changes happening at front counties across West Mercia. Councillor Richard Udall, the Labour Party's St John's City and County Councillor and the county's lead member for crime and disorder said, This announcement is a sad reflection of the times. Over the past 13 years we have seen cuts and more cuts to emergency services. It is a well-known fact that criminals also work on Sundays. Therefore, the counters at police stations should also remain accessible on Sundays. The public needs the assurance that they can go to a police station to seek help, advice, report a crime or to give statements. The police are working under increasing pressure. They are required to deliver more with less. A lot of attacks, especially on women, take place on Saturday night and are not reported until Sunday morning. They would need a private place to go in order to go to in order to report such an attack. The counter may be the first port of call for reporting a crime and is where sex offenders go to sign the register so the police can more effectively monitor their behaviour and protect the public. The counter is now open seven days a week, 8am to 4.30pm on Monday to Saturday and 10am to 4pm on Sunday. That's 57 hours a week. From December the 1st, the counter will be open 9am to 5pm Monday to Saturday and closed on Sunday, opening for 48 hours per week. However, 
In a shake-up of opening hours, the front counter will no longer be, be manned seven days a week. Sparking criticism from the leader of Worcester City Council and the West Mercia Police Federation. We have previously reported how the front counter was closed on weekdays in March, when Worcester residents were told they had to go to Kidderminster for their nearest counter, and again in May. Critics say police officers are being taken away from the frontline duties to open front counters, which had previously been manned by civilian staff. The counter will remain open on Saturdays, but we have been told by a source that it will be police officers, not inquiries officers, civilian staff, who man the counter on Saturdays, removing them from operational duties. Peter Nightingale of the Police Federation said, Over a period of time, we have had a reduction in the service provided by our front counter police staff due to cost restraints. This has resulted in police officers being abstracted from their operational roles to staff the front to, to staff the front counter. Whilst we understand technological advances, we also know that a lot of the public like to have accessible front counters. Increasing police officer numbers is welcome, but having police officers fulfilling roles that have previously been carried out by civilian staff is just a way of robbing, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Councillor Lynn Denham, a joint leader of Worcester City Council, said this is a further sad reduction in our public services. Not everyone can go online, particularly if their phone has just been stolen. People who have suffered from a crime need to have the option to talk to the local police service. We know that crime is underreported, underinvestigated, and that too much criminal behaviour goes unchallenged. Chief Superintendent Ed Williams of West Mercia Police said, From Friday, December the 1st, we will be changing the opening times of the front counters at all police stations across the three counties we cover, Herefordshire, Shropshire and Worcestershire. We've carried out research as to when and how the public use our front counters. We found that most people visit front counters between 9am and 5pm Monday to Friday. And so we're focusing our resources on those times to ensure that we can deliver the best possible service. For those unable to visit during the week, counters will be open between 9 and 5 on Saturdays too where officers will be on hand to help with inquiries and take reports of crimes. Our website is available 24-7 and often offers the quickest and easiest way to contact us about non-urgent issues. You can report crimes, tell us about something you've seen or heard, request updates on an investigation, apply for various licences and much more. In an emergency, you should always dial 999. And the last headline article from today, Thursday, November the 23rd, reads, Horrible toll of a late diagnosis. Postcode lottery in cancer cases. A widower living with incurable prostate cancer has described how he feels horrible 
about the devastating impact of late diagnosis and the postcode lottery. One in six prostate cancer patients at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust received their diagnosis late. Ian Smith, a former King's School pupil, retired city chartered accountant, former chairman at Bishop Fleming and ex-carer for his late wife, has stage four advanced incurable metastatic prostate cancer. He is campaigning to improve the lives of others battling the same illness and boosting awareness via his blog after losing his wife to a degenerative brain disease. He said, it's horrible for the people involved and their family. I feel desperately sorry for them and a bit guilty because I can afford medical insurance and they can't. The 63-year-old of Lulsley between Alfric and Nightwick had regular PSA tests until COVID stopped them and has since been treated by a combination of radiotherapy and hormone therapy, including the wonder drug Abiraterone. However, the grandfather said this drug was not available to all prostate cancer patients in England, as it was in Scotland and Wales, describing a postcode lottery, which was down to NICE, NICE. The former accountant has also emphasised the role of awareness of prostate cancer and GPs in early diagnosis. I had no symptoms whatsoever, and if it had not been for regular PSA tests, I would not have known, and the cancer would be raging round my body, he said. Prostate cancer research has found many NHS trusts across the country lack key diagnostic techniques and treatments, meaning many people are only getting diagnosed when the disease has already spread. Early diagnosis is crucial to survival, as just a third of patients live for five years or more once the cancer spreads beyond the prostate. Ahead of International Men's Day on Sunday, charities have urged eligible men to seek free screening tests for the disease, which kills thousands in the UK every year. The figures show 16% of people with prostate cancer were diagnosed at an advanced stage at Worcestershire Acute Hospital NHS Trust in 2022, roughly the same as the average of 17% in England. Analysis suggests more than 2,600 lives could be saved across the country if late diagnosis was cut to 5%, the lowest level achieved by a hospital trust across the board. Oliver Kemp, Chief Executive of Prostate Cancer Research, said, We are seriously concerned that some parts of the UK don't have the same level of equipment or testing capacity as others. 
diagnostics can include biopsies and different types of scans. Eight out of nine were available at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust last year. Patients at the Trust also had access to four out of nine treatment options, which can include chemotherapy and radiotherapy. Overall, there were more options for both diagnostics and treatments in the south of England. Trusts there also offered more support services, such as psychological and genetic counselling. However, their analysis of the National Prostate Cancer Audit showed English regions had begun to tackle the pandemic backlog and referrals were above pre-pandemic levels in 2022. Laura Kirby, Chief Executive at Prostate Cancer UK, said, Unfortunately, early prostate cancer usually doesn't have any symptoms which is why men need to be aware of their risk and should take our online risk checker to find out more. A Department of Health and Social Care spokesperson said, The UK National Screening Committee is currently reviewing six prostate cancer screening proposals submitted during its annual call for topics. Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust had not responded to a request for a comment before the paper went to press. One very good report appeared on uh, Friday, November the 17th, which says that schools are among the best for cricket. Four Worcestershire and Herefordshire schools have been named among the UK's best for cricket in the Cricketers' 2024 Schools Guide. The Elms School in Colwall, Herefordshire, Morven College, Morven St James's Girls School, both in Morven, and Bromsgrove School have been included in this year's guide, produced by the Cricketer magazine along with Wiltshire's Marlborough College. The 2024 Schools Guide is a bumper 164-page supplement that's included alongside the December issue of the Cricketer magazine, as well as available to purchase separately on the Cricketer's website. The guide features the top 100 senior, top 50 prep junior and top 20 all-girls schools for cricket. Two 20, sorry, 2024's successful roll call of schools, which features both state-funded and private establishments, was finalised after an exhaustive selection process that saw a huge number submit entries for inclusion in the guide. All entries were then judged against an extensive set of criteria which included a compelling commitment to cricket for the curriculum, facilities, fixture programmes and coaching. The cricketer gathered entries and compiled the leading lists consulting former England star Lydia Greenway and her coach initiative for cricket for girls to select the top 20 all-girls schools. Great. Thank you, Richard. So next this evening, we'll have the letter page from yesterday, Wednesday, November the 22nd. And the first letter is from Cliff Slade of Tembury Wells. Dear Editor, 
Last week, I found myself driving through my old stomping ground around Worcester and, in particular, Blackpole Road. It was immensely busy, as it was early morning school time, with lots of students making their way to school, incredibly by foot. Yes, they were all walking. I couldn't help noticing how amazingly well-behaved, calm, mature and sensible the students were, making their way to school. In single, small or larger groups, whether boys or girls, these students were all turned out in immaculate green blazers with a gold beading adorning their edges. Grey bottoms and not a single skewed or undone tie could I spot. They all looked like young model pupils off to be educated at what must be a very well-heeled Worcester educational establishment. Given the amount of vehicles and the lack of an old-fashioned lollipop person, I slowed my vehicle at the island adjacent to Liddles to allow some of these students to cross the road safely. They crossed before me with no silliness and politely raised a hand or nodded a thanks to me, all maturely marching coolly on to school. So impressed with these young people, bright people though they were, was I that I googled the nearest school. Tudor Grange Academy Worcester students, I doff my cap to your public persona. I was very impressed with your presentation, behaviour and politeness. The second letter is from Jackie and Mark Smith. And they are founders of the December Daily Dash and Sue Ryder fundraisers. Dear Editor, the Sue Ryder December Daily Dash asks fundraisers to run, jog or walk every day of the month to raise vital funds for the charity. We wanted the challenge to be all about choice and accessibility. So you can do the dash wherever, however and at any pace that you'd like. Initially, it was just us, joined by 11 friends. Now there is a community of over 2,000 people that take part in the challenge to raise money for Sue Ryder's palliative and bereavement support. doesn't matter how you take it on, with friends, with family or on your own. Do it for yourself, do it to support a loved one or do it in memory of a loved one. Not only will running, jogging or walking every day help to raise money for Sue Ryder, which supports people through the most difficult times of their lives, whether that's a terminal illness or the loss of a loved one, but it's a fun way to take time out for you. We have created a wonderful community that motivate each other to keep going through the grey, rainy days. You can sign up to the December Daily Dash by visiting decemberdailydash.com. On behalf of us and Sue Ryder, thank you. Uh, we have a letter here from Phil Douce. Uh, he says, I have read with interest several articles regarding the new plans for the Scarlet Cinema. 
a number of claims are being made about escalating costs being responsible for a much reduced vision for the Scarlet. Initially, the council were given in excess of £17 million for the development of the city centre, and six projects were identified, none of which have materialised. At a council meeting in September, it was reported by David Blake that as a result of escalating costs, a simpler project would have to be put in place for the Scala, that an estimated £7 million was available as a budget. This may by now be far less. What escalating costs? We haven't built anything. Thank you, Richard. Well, now to the general articles. And I'm going to start off with something that's very of the moment. Free Christmas fun in city. Christmas is just around the corner. And as budgets may be stretched, it's worth knowing a few free events going on in Worcester. At the festive season approaches, Worcester will have lots of fun. Free things to do that will be sure to get you in the Christmas spirit. There's something for everyone to enjoy, which will not cost a penny. Christmas Light Switch On. That annual event takes place on Saturday, November the 25th and kicks off the city's Christmas celebrations. At 4pm, a starlight lantern parade will make its way from the Hive to Cathedral Square, where the light switch on will take place. The parade will be led by volunteers and puppeteers, taking invitees on a route that will light the streets and show off the volunteers' lantern creations to the public, lining the route in Broad Street and in High Street. In Cathedral Square, BBC Hereford and Worcester presenters will host live music performances running 4pm to 7pm. Christmas Fair in the Cloister Between Thursday, November the 30th and Sunday, December the 3rd, Christmas Fair in the Cloister is returning at Worcester Cathedral. The Cloister will be hosting a variety of vendors selling Christmas goods from 10am to 5pm, apart from on Sundays where the times will be 12.30 to 3.30pm. Worcester Victorian Christmas Fair. Almost 200 stalls will fill the streets as Worcester's traditional Victorian Christmas Fair returns from Thursday, November the 30th until Sunday, December the 3rd. Visitors can enjoy seasonal stalls offering locally sourced food, drink, crafts and unique gifts that will run along High Street, Cathedral Square, Pump Street, New Street, Friar Street, Corn Market and The Shambles. Christmas Gift Market the Christmas gift market will be held in Worcester City Centre between Friday, December the 8th and Sunday, December the 10th. The High Street in Worcester is often home to a host of markets and food events throughout the calendar year. The Christmas Tree Festival 2023 Between Thursday, December the 7th and Sunday, January the 14th, 
the popular Christmas tree festival will be returning to the cloister at Worcester Cathedral. The event has a host of unique Christmas trees designed and decorated by local schools, charities and organisations. Booking is not required this year, so just turn up and enjoy the event. But any large groups like school trips are still being asked to contact the cathedral. The only two days when the festival will not be open to the public are Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Visiting hours are 10am to 5pm from Monday to Saturday with the last entry at 4.30pm and 1pm to 3pm on Sundays, last entry 2.30pm. The next article looks back at the Remembrance Day service weekend. Um, this is an article from Tuesday, November the 21st, and there are various pictures of a ceremony at Astwood Cemetery. There's one particular um, picture, and it says, Honour, the fallen from across Europe, whatever their nation and background, were honoured at the service at Astwood Cemetery in Worcester. Moving service as the fallen remembered. Fallen soldiers and prisoners of war from across Europe were remembered during a moving service at a city cemetery. Veterans in military regalia, standard bearers, young and old, stood shoulder to shoulder at the service in Astwood Cemetery in Worcester on Sunday. They planted crosses at each grave and wreaths were laid at the war memorial by dignitaries at the annual service of remembrance to honour the memory of the 154 servicemen who died as a result of their war service and who now lie in Aswood Cemetery under the care of the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. There are 95 burials from the First World War and 46 from the Second World War. The majority of these burials are of servicemen from the United Kingdom but there are also three Poles, one Canadian and one Czech. Thomas Wisniewski of the Worcestershire Polish Association said, We remember with gratitude their sacrifice in the cause of freedom. We also remember the five German and three Italian servicemen who died for a cause their governments believed in, but with whom we are now reconciled. Organised by Robert McCarthy on behalf of the Royal British Legion, the service was an opportunity to remember all those who fell in war, but particularly prisoners of war. Mr Wisniewski said, Old enmities were put aside in a service which emphasised our common humanity and the value of peace. We should never take our freedoms for granted. And we should understand that with those freedoms come great responsibilities. Those we should pass on from generation to generation, so freedom's light will forever burn in the hearts and minds of every community. He added, In 1962, the mother of a young German soldier called Karl Fust, born January 1905 and died at Ronxwood Hospital in Worcester on February in February 1947, she contacted the Royal British Legion to ask if they would lay flowers on her son's grave. 
Since then, the Royal British Legion has held a service of remembrance. At a ceremony built on a promise kept for more than half a century was a chance to remember Polish, British and Allied soldiers who could not be repatriated. All those who fell in war, prisoners of war, their families, and it emphasised a message of peace. Jean and David Waldron, from the Royal British Legion, Deputy Mayor Councillor Mel Alcott, and representatives of the Worcestershire and Sherwood Foresters Regiment Association were among those who took part. On November the 22nd, uh, an article by Evie Pugh that has been qualified, I think, as my headline of the year. The headline is, Plan to chop down riverside trees axed. A controversial application to remove ash trees along the riverside in Northwick has been withdrawn. Oliver Carpenter, who lives at Northwick Marina, applied to Worcester City Council to cut down several trees along the River Severn last month, but has now withdrawn the proposals. No reason has been given for the withdrawal of the plans. He said in the proposal, we have 17 ash trees along the riverside at Northwick Marina. All are suffering from ash dieback. We wish to remove 15 of them to enable replacement trees to be planted. Despite ecologists confirming the trees were affected by the disease, neighbours slammed the application. Many were worried that the removal of the trees would further exasperate natural erosion, which has caused the closure of the slip riverside path. Among the objections was Anne Perkins of Victoria Street, who said, with the recent history of the landslip and closure of the footpath in front of this land, it seems preposterous to remove trees that are an integral that are integral in reducing further erosion. Justin Lee of Northwick Road also objected, writing, The riverbank is already collapsing along here, and the trees will be holding back what remains. To remove them would be dangerous and lead to more erosion. Development in this area has already done much damage and made the footpath unusable. I used to regularly walk this route with my dogs, and I and the whole neighbourhood miss being able to nowadays. A public footpath along Northwick Slip runs by the western boundary of the marina. However, it has been closed since March 2022, after natural erosion made the path unsafe for walkers. An expert from Hillcrest Ecology visited the site and said the majority of the ash trees at the site have been assessed as having signs of ash dieback. Due to the proximity of the trees to a public footpath, the landover the landowner wished to remove the trees to minimise the health and safety risk that the declining trees could represent to users of the footpath. Worcestershire County Council said the proposed work appears to have no negative impact on the public right-of-way and will welcome the appropriate management of the trees. Now a serious article and I'm sure once you hear it you'll have great sympathy for those involved. The picture shows a horse box outside, the tailgate down, and the rest of it just wrecked. 
the title is Shock After Arson Attack. A scared family saw their horse box go up in flames after it was attacked by arsonists who also doused power tools in petrol on farmland. The horse box was destroyed in the fire on farmland in Curso near Elmy Castle at about 10.15pm on Sunday on land belonging to Troy Halford. An outbuilding containing valuable power tools was also broken into and petrol was doused over the tools, but it did not appear to have been ignited. Alena Halford, Mr Halford's mother, said this situation has been awful to deal with and very scary. She said, the horse box was burnt to pieces and was burning for a good five to ten minutes before we were first alerted. Police and fire came out at the time and have returned to do some forensics as well. In the shed there was so much petrol poured over the tools we've no idea why nothing was taken or set on fire. It is as if they gave up or potentially got scared off after cutting the frame around the lock to enter the shed. Miss Halford said they will now be putting up cameras in the area and also appealed for help from people living by. She said, we have no CCTV in place currently, so that's something I will be putting in place in the coming days. If any local businesses or homeowners have their own CCTV in the area, it could really help us find out what happened. A West Mercia police spokesperson said investigations are ongoing and no arrests have been made. It said, We are currently investigating arson of property on an allotment that was set alight in Curso, Elmley Castle, on Sunday, November the 19th. No arrests have currently been made, but anyone with any information that could help with inquiries is asked to contact the police. Two Hereford and Worcestershire Fire and Rescue Service crews from Evesham Fire Station were called to the fire at 10.23pm. A spokesperson for Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said the fire is suspected to have been deliberate. They said, A large horse box was well alight and crews used a hose-reel jet with two firefighters in breathing apparatus to fight the fire. A thermal imaging camera was also used to check for hotspots. There were no casualties. The incident was marked as pending closure at 12.22am. It's asked that anyone with information is being public-spirited enough to contact West Mercia Police using crime reference number 22 oblique 108509 hyphen. 23. The next article from Friday, November 17th is more uplifting. A 30-mile walk in aid of charity. A group walked 30 miles in one day to raise money for Birmingham Children's Hospital to give back for the treatment they received for their families. Jessica Steed and Wayne Southall led a group on a walk from Worcester to Birmingham on Saturday the 11th of November, which took a total of 14 hours. 
The couple have a five-month-old daughter, Amelia. She was born with a severe heart defect. After having keyhole surgery and further tests, doctors discovered she had a condition called Williams syndrome, a rare congenital disorder that occurs randomly and causes distinctive facial characteristics and a wide range of learning difficulties. Mr Southall also has a daughter called Holly Southall, aged 10, with San Filippo syndrome, who has been cared for by Birmingham Children's Hospital. Miss Steed said that the group was exhausted after the walk, but was happy that they were able to pull through and complete it. She said, The walk was brutal and I do not think it is something I will be doing again, but we are so glad we did it. I got to a stage where I was thinking I would have to give up, but I just kept going through the pain. We were all in agony the day after, but it was worth it. It was all for a great cause, so this powered us through the challenge. Recommended reading baby with Williams syndrome and rare disorder focus of walk. Birmingham Children's Hospital Charity has a challenge to take on 30 miles throughout the month of November. Miss Steed's group of eight participants all decided to take on the challenge in a single day instead of throughout the month. Miss Steed said, We have decided to go a bit crazy with it and do it all in one day as we wanted it to be more of a challenge. The couple have a Just Giving page, which has so far raised 1740 out of their £2,000 goal. To donate to, to donate to the fundraiser, you can visit www.justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Wayne, W-A-Y-N-E, and then there's a long number, Wayne, 1698071. 1024687 Birmingham Children's Hospital supports 100,000 children every year with a wide variety of illnesses and conditions. Oh Friday we had a lovely page headed comfort of the season and illustrated is an extract from a an advertisement for a well-known local product. And it reads as follows, on the dining table, both private and public, in this and all civilised countries, Lee and Perrin's sauce, the original Worcestershire, has come into universal use. The rare ingredients used in its preparation are grateful to the palate and particularly acceptable to everyone. It aids digestion. Deliciously flavours more dishes than any other table sauce in use. Dry it on soups, fish, hot and cold meats, chops, steaks, chaffing, chafing, chafing, chafing dish cooking, and Welsh rarebits. A wonderful appetiser. And this is the introduction to an article by Linda Ford. She t- talks about autumn turns my thoughts to the warming comfort for food. Sharing with family and friends forms bonds in our lives, and for me it promotes emotional well-being. Whatever, wherever and however we cook, food is essential to life, and eating is part of our diverse cultures. For the ancient Romans, food was also more than a means of, just a means of survival. It was an important social activity, 
whether it was a simple fair for the lower classes or elaborate feasts for the wealthy. The most tangible evidence of this is in Pompeii, after the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in 79 AD. It remained buried in deep ash, preserving forever life at the moment of tragedy. Its evidence was discovered in the 16th century and the rest is history. Remnants of the food they ate was found uh, by archaeologists in cooking pots, utensils and preserved sewage. The Romans loved condiments and spices of which garum remained supreme. A spicy sauce made with various fish entrails and fermented in the hot sun over a few weeks. It was nutritious, consumed by the poor in their porridge and the rich in almost every recipe. My love of cooking has never waned and retirement has given me time to adapt recipes with many different flavours. The spirit of the Roman garum lives on through the common thread of the affirmative transformation of fish in our own Leon Perrin's Worcester sauce. Thanks to Worcester chemists, John Wheelie Lee and William Perrins, it was invented in 1837 and its recipe remains a trade secret. However, the original 19th century ingredients contents were found in a skip, the old factory site, which one is anchovy fish. Thankfully, not left out in the sun, but fermented in controlled factory conditions over 18 months. So, as I added this condiment to my casserole dishes of chicken pasta bake, I am now transported back to following the footsteps of the Romans in awe-inspiring Pompeii during a holiday in Italy. A cultural connection from over 2,000 years ago, I am ever mindful in our troubled world. There are those who suffer homelessness, poverty and hunger. There are many ways to help those in crisis by volunteering or raising money for charities, or simply buy a sandwich for that homeless person, just as my great-nephew did, as an act of human kindness. And continuing from that, this is the Mayor's Diary, Councillor Louis Stephen, from Saturday, November the 18th. Very current and a great concern to all of us, I think. Its heading is Plea to Help City Food Bank. The Mayor says, I recently called round to Worcester's Food Bank. I looked through the roller shutter doors and with a chill I distinctly noticed a difference between this and previous years. Christmas is a time of giving and thinking of people who are less fortunate. Last year I noticed a queue of donated food that had not yet been processed. Sadly this year I did not see that food. Demand has gone through the roof. Chatting to the managers, Graham Lucas and Ruth Alsop, they told me that food donations are not enough and increasingly they are spending thousands of pounds each week buying in additional food. So, says the Mayor, this is a blog for them, taken by permission from their website. It says, Never mind a white Christmas. Here at Worcester Food Bank, all we're dreaming of 
is a Christmas where no one in our city goes hungry. That's why we've unwrapped our festive food shopping list as we brace ourselves for a challenging countdown to Christmas with an expected record number of referrals to us. We want everyone in crisis that turns to us for help to enjoy a taste of Christmas, whether that's some stuffing and cranberry sauce or Christmas cake and mince pies. Our team of little elves will be working their Christmas socks off to make sure we feed thousands of people over the coming weeks. The most important ingredient remains your generosity. With demand for food so high, we won't be running our usual Christmas toy voucher appeal. Instead, we'd love you to show your support by either donating some festive food from our list or making a financial contribution. You can make a donation via the Worcester Food Bank website, worcester.foodbank.org.uk. The next article uh, features a photograph with two ladies on stilts uh, in very glamorous costumes with feathery headdresses. And the headline is Barbers Getting Men to Open Up. Many people open up to their hairdresser or barber while sitting in the chair having a new haircut. This is what is behind the major transformation to make the former good life in the corn market more than just a barber shop. Rebranding as Maniac Barbers, it has become a safe space where men can open up about their mental health problems. Ollie Round, who manages the marketing and social media at Maniac Barber, said staff have experienced challenges with mental health and the team wants to change the stigma around the topic. He said, We have been around for 10 years and it has been really successful. Changes in circumstances from some people's lives within the team meant we wanted to focus on a forward-thinking way of how we can help people, as many people as we possibly could, with their mental health. It is based around our own personal experiences and there are some in the shop, not to name names, but have gone through very severe mental health problems. All of us have been here to guide each other through that. We are more than just a barber shop. We are a collective of guys deeply committed to creating this safe space. Maniac Barbers has teamed up with Mind and Samaritans as part of the new business and will listen to any client's problems, no matter how big or small. The team will also be happy to guide their clients through the first steps of getting help and will triage people to the right services. Mr Round said the barber's primary mission is to change and help as many people as possible through their suffering. We are very aware of the negative connotations of maniac as a name, he said. We want to reclaim that word and embrace all parts of ourselves, including the ones which make us a maniac, as some may say. It is masculinity. We are expected to always be strong-minded and strong-willed, which is not always the case with any human. I do think it is a lot worse in terms of talking for men. 
the stigma around men talking has been going on for years and the suicide amongst men is very high. It is a prevalent problem. The store also donates 10% of its merchandise proceeds to MIND. And here we have a, an article about one of our unsung local heroes in a sport which doesn't usually make the back pages. The headline of Richards in line for national accolade. Double world champion swimmer Matt Richards has been nominated for the Athlete Award at the PLX Awards hosted by UK Sport. The British swimmer, who was born in Droitwich, has seen early success on the international stage, winning gold at the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games with the men's 4x200 freestyle relay team aged just 17. This feat was followed up uh, earlier this year when he won the men's 200 freestyle at the 2023 World Championships before again being part of a victorious men's 4x200 metres freestyle relay outfit. The Worlds also featured a mixed 4x100 freestyle relay bronze for Matt, as well as a new British record in the men's 100 metres freestyle. A few months prior to his world title, Richards has never qualified individually for any senior event. However, at April's 2023 British Championships, he pipped 2020 Olympic champion Tom Dean and the 2020 Olympic silver medalist Duncan Scott in the 200 metres freestyle final to become British champion. The swimmer is already being regarded as one of Britain, British swimming's brightest stars of the future, set to follow in the footsteps of teammates Adam Peaty and Tom Dean in the coming years following the upcoming Olympic Games. His transition into individual competition in 2023 paves the way for him to take centre stage at the Olympics next year, for which he will be just 21 years old. It is an honour, said Richards. Any time you get recognised for the work that you do in the pool, it's always a nice bonus. It's not why you do it, but it's always very special to feel like you've been recognised for that. Coming off the back of a tough year in 2022, to be able to have turned it around and done such a good job this season was really special. And now it's all about building forwards and continuing to improve. And hopefully we can do the countries proud next year. Richards was recently announced as part of a 35-strong British swimming squad selected to compete at the European Short Course Championships in Romania with Richard set to make his European short course debut this December. And now some other winners. A whole page article on a very go-ahead school in Worcester. Bake Off Winners Delight. Pupils from a Worcester primary school bake delicious cakes in a Bake Off style competition in aid of charity. Budding bakers from Nunnery Wood Primary School raised £596.60 for Macmillan Cancer Support during the event on September the 29th. The Year 6 children brought homemade cakes to sell to staff, parents and fellow students. 
Held in the style of the popular TV show, four prizes were dished out to those with the best bakes. Head teacher Mrs Higgins presented four prizes, a certificate, badge and a £5 Amazon voucher to each of the winners. The categories were Best Showstopper, won by Fletcher Neary, Most Technical, won by Elodie Gaston, Pupil's Choice, won by Elliot Withers, and Parent's Choice, won by Bethany Hall. Then the best bit. Everyone had slices of cake with their parents or carers. Five-year six pupils contacted the Worcester News with their newspaper reports of the day. And here are snippets from them. Olivia Cooling said, We had an incredible bake-off for donations to Macmillan Cancer Support. In total, Year 6 raised £596.60 in the successful fundraiser event. Mia Penny wrote, For heaven's sake, just bake the cake. Obviously, brevity is the soul of wit for Mia. Benjamin McClellan said, Finally, all children and adults in Year 6 were given a slice before the remains were sampled by the remainder of the school. One child reported saying all of the cakes were exquisitely delicious and should be sold publicly. Mia Penny, who is quite um, some reporter, goes on to say the children raised 596.60 by selling their amazing cakes and Mrs Higgins told Year 6 she was more than impressed. And finally, all in all, said Elodie Gaston, it was a competition full of success for such a worthy cause. And year six has helped Macmillan greatly. Mrs Wheeler told um, Holly Class that she found all the cakes excellent and that she was extremely proud of all of them. We are looking forward to reporting on next year's event. Penny. The next article is towards the other end of the age scale. Mary's Marathon for 70th birthday. A Worcestershire woman celebrated her 70th birthday by running a marathon in aid of several charities. Mary Wiegas says that she was bitten by a running bug after starting her fitness journey in 2017 when she finished treatment for breast cancer. Mary joined Happy Feet Fitness in their Walking to Fitness group and went on to complete the Couch to 5K course with them that summer. I never thought I would say this, but I've been bitten by the running bug, Mary said. I've completed several half marathons, and in a moment of madness decided to celebrate my 70th birthday this year by running a marathon. I set about getting a team together to do this challenge with me. Marie and Rhiannon co-founders of Happy Feet Fitness, were up for it. Christy, Anne and Lisa, who are run with at HF, were keen to be involved too, so my team was complete. We decided we would complete the 26.2 miles by running, walking, laps around St John's and the river, and we'd use one of the runners' homes as a base for refuelling and toilet breaks. We all started running together on a bright Sunday morning, 
and later that day we all finished not quite together as one of the team had cramp at about 10 kilometres from the end but they still managed to, to speed walk the rest. The team celebrated as they crossed the finishing line in what Mary says was an incredible and very moving atmosphere. Medals were produced and sponsored by Worcester Physiotherapy Clinic. Mary continued, I decided to try and raise money for seven charities, one for each decade, and hoped to maybe raise a few hundred pounds, but I'm delighted to say I raised a fantastic £2,180. Huge thanks must go to family, friends and running friends who sponsored us and made this possible. Special thanks to one of our runners, Darren, who works for Siva Logistic, and he did a half marathon alongside us and raised 485 through work. I would like to thank the team, Marie, Christy, Anne, Lisa and coach Rhiannon for being so supportive. Some other people who sponsored Mary's team. Personalised race bibs by Prince J Crafts. Beautiful flowers by Victoria's Blooms. Cakes by Charlotte's Cake Cart. Photos by John Weger and Purple Swan Photography. The seven charities Mary ran in aid of were St Richard's Hospice, Worcestershire Breast Unit Haven, Worcester Warriors Foundation, Dementia Cafe, Young Minds Behind the Smile, Chadsgrove Educational Trust, Worcester Association of Carers and the WEG, that is Worcester Environmental Group. Well, the photograph of Sean Purton and Sarah Green at Wallace House in Evesham we have new service from charity. Worcestershire Homes Charity Mag's Day Centre has expanded its services by launching a harm reduction dropping service in Evesham. As part of their harm reduction service, the team will offer clean works, Naxalone provision and training, BBV testing and a safe space to talk about alcohol and substance use for anyone in the community who needs it. The drop-in will run every Tuesday between 1pm and 3pm at Wallace House Community Centre where an outreach team is already based. It intends to offer a safe place for people to use the services or have a simple chat. The harm reduction team partners with homelessness, health providers and other relevant agencies to engage people with services to address substance misuse and any health-related issue associated with substance dependency. The team goes anywhere that a person experiencing homelessness needs support, provides various support and works collaboratively to break down barriers to develop innovative and robust pathways to engage people and support service users to adopt safer practices and reduce harm. Sean Purton, Wallace House Centre Manager, said Evesham is a lovely town with very community-minded residents. There are members of our community who experience homelessness and substance issues and feel like they have nowhere to turn. Having the MAGS team here is excellent because the community know that these highly trained, knowledgeable and kind people are at Wallace House Community Centre and will support with an array of needs including support with filling out forms, attending appointments, clothes, food, substance and alcohol support, housing support the list really does go on. MAGS works throughout Worcestershire 
and hosts two-day centres in Worcester and Morwen alongside four properties through the accommodation project, which temporarily houses rough sleepers and provides them with tailored support to further their journey. The charity also has several speciality teams that work with service users, including an intensive transition support team for complex needs and an outreach team, which are also based in Wallace House every Tuesday and Thursday between 1 and 3 p.m. Alongside our support workers who work in the day centres to support service users and volunteers, which the charity relies on to maintain to its high service levels. For more information, please, please visit www.magsdaycentre.co.uk My next article is Cultural Treasure is Right Royal Flush. Museums and galleries are a wonderful way to experience artistic and cultural treasures. There are also items that are such a common necessity that they are rarely celebrated. World Toilet Day is marked by the United Nations on November the 19th each year, as the lack of this, often unappreciated, invention can have a disastrous knock-on effect on people's health. In Britain, inadequate sanitation caused multiple cholera epidemics. Medical minds were convinced that it was spread via dank air, dirt or interpersonal contact. During a third outbreak in London in 1854, Dr John Snow identified a cause linking the pollution of drinking water downstream of sewage outflows to a huge rise in cholera cases. His findings led to an immediate decrease in the loss of life. Prior to this, King Henry VIII had created the dubious sounding title of Groom of the King's Clothes Stool, which necessitated the dealing with and monitoring of the monarch's bowel movements. It was a road that persisted until 1900s and was a most personal and trusted role at court. The clothes stool related to the receptacle in question. Its grandeur was very much in keeping with its intended user. It was a decorative piece of furniture to suit the bedchamber, with a lid to discreetly conceal a removable lidded potty. Upholstered to resemble a stool, the ornamental nature of some pieces is the reason that the word commode now relates to both decorative furniture and furniture containing that which I have mentioned. The most humorous common name for this piece of furniture was Thunderbox, due to the acoustic echoes that accompanied their use. This 19th century example from the Worcester City collection comes from a time when, for all but the wealthy, the closest thing to an ensuite was the potty in a box in the bedroom. And there are two illustrations in the article. And actually, it's a smart piece of furniture with a beautifully decorated and padded lid. Thomas Crapper is most famously linked to the flushing toilet, but he was a talented sanitary engineer and plumber and created many related innovations, such as the U-Bend. His name made The Crapper a common shorthand for the toilet, 
much as the hoover was for the vacuum cleaner. So you can see more of the Worcester City collection, including fascinating objects from everyday life, at Worcester City Art Gallery and Museum for free. Penny. The next article is a bit of a jump from that. The headline is, in quotes, kangaroo on the loose. An astonished driver claims he saw a kangaroo hopping along the road in a city estate after he pulled off the motorway. Mr Edwards, a professional photographer, could be forgive, forgiven for thinking he was in the land down under when he spotted what he is convinced was a kangaroo in Warnden villages. He was driving in Worcester last night, Wednesday, after coming off the M5 at Junction 6, when he saw what he said was a small kangaroo about a thousand yards from the Tesco petrol, where he was going to refuel. He dis uh, describing his shock and disbelief, he said, I'm a professional photographer all my life with 20-20 vision. I was driving at a steady 22 to 25 miles per hour with no traffic behind me or in front. My LED headlights were on dip and about a thousand yards before the Tesco petrol station, which was now closed, at 9.40pm my headlights picked out a jumping small kangaroo hopping along the hedgerow, probably approximately one year old. I couldn't believe what I saw. I followed it for 20 to 30 yards, clear as day in my LED lights, then it swerved into an opening and disappeared. It was definitely a kangaroo. I had plenty of time to see it. I turned the car around to see if I could see it again. I reported this to the police who noted it. I thought either it was someone's exotic pet or an escaped animal from a kid's wildlife park. I didn't have time to park the car safely and take an iPhone in my hands whilst not driving to film it. For certain, I saw a small kangaroo with a long tail and small front legs hopping along the hedgerow. My headlights picked it out well. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said, We did receive a report of a sighting of a kangaroo about 9.30pm yesterday evening, just off the M5 towards Walden. The caller was advised that we would monitor any more sightings. So far, we haven't received any more sightings of a kangaroo. In 2018, the body of what was believed to be a small wallaby was filmed on the M5 motorway in Worcester. Smaller than a kangaroo, there have been reports of wild wallabies in the British countryside. People's Trust for Endangered Species said the red-necked wallaby is closely related to the kangaroo, though the size of the UK's population is unknown. Colonies exist in Scotland and on the Isle of Man. There was a colony in the Peak District, though there have been no sightings since 2000, so they are thought to be extinct. The headline... Uh, have your say on public open space. We read that residents of Worcester have been asked by the City Council for their views on developments to a public open space in Warnden. Plans are in the works to refurbish the 4.2 acre area to the south of Cotswold Way, adjacent to the Mazak factory. 
Projected enhancements to the site include new playgrounds, an 11-space-lit car park, and measures to bolster existing woodland and plant wildflowers. Residents may share their suggestions during a four-week consultation period available on the Council's website. Councillor Robin Norfolk, Chair of Worcester Town City uh, Council's Place and Economic Development Committee, said this is an opportunity to make significant improvements to the public open space at Cotswold Way, turning the area into a real asset for the local community. Our proposals would make it a destination for families and children to play and relax, as well as a place for people of all ages to enjoy the beauty of nature. On top of that, we also propose to add in some additional free parking spaces. She added, feedback from the community is vital, letting us know whether our plans meet the needs of residents. So I would encourage people to have their say and influence this exciting initiative at www.worcester.gov.uk oblique voice it. That's V-O-I-C-E-I-T. There are three main features of the proposed changes. The first encompasses play equipment proposed at four different areas along the public footpath between Cranham Drive and Chedworth Close. The second involves biodiversity through planting colourful wildflowers, cultivating a mini-orchard and maintaining local fruit trees' health. Last is the transformation of a disused Rodborough Close territory into an illuminated free-to-use car park. The opinion poll is live on the Council's website until Sunday, December the 17th. Printed copies can be procured from the Guildhall or by calling 01905 722233 for those unable to access the survey online. Well now we've come to the end of this evening's recording. I do hope you've enjoyed hearing all the articles and useful information. Many thanks to the team that's Penny, Richard and Alex, and also, of course, to Carol and the admin team who work so hard in the background. We hope you'll tune in for next week's offering. So for now, from us all, good night and goodbye. goodbye. And now those useful telephone numbers. Police 101, non-emergency. NHS Direct 111, Out of Hours Medical Assistance 6pm to 8pm, 0300-1233211, Crime Stoppers 0800-555-1, Community Risk Team for Fire Safety 0800 Zero three two double one double five. Domestic Abuse Helpline zero eight double zero nine eight zero treble three one. Worcestershire County Council here to help zero one nine zero five seven six eight zero five three. Request option three. Worcester Hub. Worcester 765765 Samaritans, a free phone number 
116123. Worcester Theatre's box office, Worcester 611427. Malvern Theatre box office, 01684 892277. Norbury Theatre, Droitwich box office, Worcester 770154 and number 8 theatre Pershaw box office 01386 treble 5488 the national grid formerly western power 0800 917 a 24-hour service and it's for use in the event of a power cut there's a priority service register free on 0800-032-8302, which will provide information, for example, in Braille, large print or alternative languages. Now to obituaries. We start with Penny. K. Banford Burnell. Passed away peacefully on the 3rd of November 2023, aged 87 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 28th of November at 2.30pm. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for St Richard's Hospice. Edward Frank Davis, known as Frank, formerly of Kempsey and Littleworth, Passed away peacefully on November the 18th, aged 80 years. The funeral service at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Friday, December the 8th at 10am. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, for Dementia UK. Valerie Mary Hardman of Worcester, formerly of Malvern. Passed away peacefully on the 13th of November, aged 80 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 28th of November at 11.30am. Flowers may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. Anne Johnson passed away peacefully at Welland House, Malvern on the 5th of November at the age of 89. Her funeral will take place at 1pm on November the 30th at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only. Personal donations can be sent to your chosen charity. And Peter Lewis of Powick, who died peacefully in hospital on the 27th of October 2023, aged 89 years. A celebration of Peter's life will be held at St Peter's Church, Poick, on Wednesday the 29th of November at 2.30pm. If desired, please wear green, white and black, this being the colours of Worcestershire County Cricket Club. Donations, if desired, for Poick PCC or Colwell Cricket Club. Cynthia Greta Mundy passed away peacefully at the Worcestershire Royal Hospital on Tuesday the 24th of October 2023, aged 75 years, with her family at her bedside. Her funeral has already taken place, 
but charitable, do charitable donations, if desired, can be made to Dementia UK. And Margaret Wills, after a long illness, passed away peacefully on the 11th of November 2023, aged 86 years. Interment at Aswood Cemetery Natural Burial Area on Wednesday the 22nd of November at 11am. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for the Alzheimer's Society. Joyce Wilson of Littleworth passed away peacefully at home on the 8th of November 2023, aged 94 years. Funeral service at St James Church Norton on Thursday the 30th of November at 12 noon, followed by an interment at the churchyard. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for Cancer Research UK. Pascalina Rosa Everton, known as Lena, passed away peacefully on the 7th of November 2023, aged 87 years. Funeral service at St George's Catholic Church on Monday the 27th of November at 12 noon, followed by interment at Astwood Cemetery. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for St George's Catholic Church. Neville Cole, postman, passed away peacefully on the 13th of November 2023. Funeral to take place at 2.30pm on Monday the 27th of November 2023 at Worcester Crematorium. All inquiries to co-op funeral care. Rosemary Minton, Rose of Ombersley, passed away peacefully at home on the 14th of November 2023, aged 82 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 29th of November at 3.15pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice. <laughs> 